You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. Let's join in for this week's message. Hallelujah. The title of my message is When Things Change. When Things Change. How many times have you just uh, kind of been rocking on with life and not really paying attention? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get blindsided you know, by a situation that seemed to come out of nowhere. But then all of a sudden you kind of start reflecting back a little bit and then you start seeing where there was actually some warning signs that we overlooked because we're satisfied, because we're comfortable, the bills are all paid. Come on. Cars running good, the AC's ginning in the middle of summer. You know, we we kind of rock on and we kind of don't pay attention. You know, it's like the check engine light that comes on in your car. You just kind of ignore it because I mean, nothing's rattling. You know, if it was really going to get worse, would the light get brighter? Or I mean, you know. And so you just kind of ignore it and you just get busy with life and you kind of overlook things. And that kind of seems to be where we are right now. We're kind of in an awakening process that things changed and we really become aware of it in 2020. I mean, it was like, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Where did all this come from? There's, a, there's an idiocy here that I didn't recognize before now. I mean, people are ignorant. And it was like 2020 brought it out. It's like they're not even hiding anymore. See, our country is going through it right now. Where absolute truth is being taken a back seat to greed, politics, bad ideology taught in the classroom and disguised as higher learning. Idol worship. And listen to me. We have become a nation of idol worshipers through entertainment. And I'm in the, I've been in the entertainment business. Not a singer, but selling tickets for rodeos and bull ridings. I mean, bottom line is that's entertainment. And if you don't put on a good rodeo, there ain't nobody coming to be entertained. So I tell the boys all the time, this ain't about you. Nod your head. Well, I, can't, I don't care if you can't. Come on. It's so we've become a country that likes entertainment, fads, and fashion. And we've gotten comfortable with that, rocking on, and it has led to a decline in a biblical worldview where the Bible is absolute truth. And listen, we've lost our moral compass. That's just kind of bottom line. See, and things will have to change or we will not last as a civilized society. 
I'm gonna, I want to say that again. If we don't change when things changed, because things changed three years ago, and if we don't change, we will not make it as a civilized society. Police have already in bigger cities lo are losing their ability to govern with rules and laws. When teenagers take over a cop car, our moral compass is being broke. When parents can't raise their children the way they want to be raised, come on, with common sense, come on, are y'all here? See, things are changed. Things change, and we got to change. We can't keep doing things the same old way. See, what's taking place right now when you think back, has been screaming in the streets since the 1960s. Screaming in the streets. Ozzy Osbourne wrote a song called Crazy Train. You know what that was? Screaming out lyrics that pastors and churches have given him no direction. And the train, crazy train, runs off the tracks. Come on. Ozzy Osbourne was crying out. There is secular musicians who are crying out and pointing and the church has turned a deaf ear. Look up the song Noise by Kenny Chesney. We played it here, the whole video. And you tell me if that isn't God trying to wake his people up. Because his people won't listen and they won't change but are stuck in some ruts. Y'all with me? Deuteronomy 31. And before I read this, you have to understand that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it says, These things were written in the Old Testament. The things in the Old Testament were written for our example of what not to do. So when I read this in Deuteronomy you're going to have to think spiritually and not physically and not tune me out and say, oh, that's Old Testament. Because everything in the Old Testament was written for an example for us of what not to do, what not to go down that road spiritually. Come on. Deuteronomy 31, verse 19. Now, therefore, write this song. God's talking to Moses. For yourselves and teach it to the sons of Israel. Put it on their lips in order that this song may be a witness for me against the sons of Israel. Now, why does God say write this song down? Let me show you. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. 
My baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. Come on. Everybody. See, you young kids don't know that song. But when I was your age, that was the commercial. And look at all these old people in here laughing. Because you remember exactly every word to Oscar's Meyer baloney. B-O-L-O-G-N-A. That's how you learn to spell Bologna. <laughs> you can remember a jingle or a tune and it stays with you and it's always with you. And God said, Moses, you write this song so that they don't forget the sons and daughters. He says, now therefore, write this song for yourselves and teach it to the sons of Israel. Put it on their lips in order that this song may be a witness for me against, and that got my attention, against the sons of Israel. For when I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and are satisfied and become prosperous. In other words, when they have eaten and got fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them and spurn me and break my covenant. Then it shall come about when, my ev when many evils and troubles have come upon them, that this song will testify before them as a witness for it shall not be forgotten from the lips of their descendants for I know their intent which they are developing today. Before I have brought them into the land which I swore. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the sons of Israel. He's saying, I know what's going to happen when you get prosperous. When you get comfortable. When everything's good and all your bills are paid and you're not in trouble. Come on. I know what's going to happen. You're going to forget about me. You're going to forget how I delivered you out of Egypt. How I delivered you out of the world how I forgave your sins when you were baptized and you felt that burden removing and that lifting and you, we had a moment. It's human nature. Listen, there's nothing that makes us dig in the word and seek God and cry out to him as when we're in a bind. Come on. Nobody in here is just going to let somebody walk up and stab them in the heart without a fight. But somehow we forget the enemy is always trying to stab us in the heart. Come on. And suck the life out of us. And we get rocking on with life and going about. Next thing you know, everything's good. We don't, we're just doing things and we forget. 
And you have to understand and think spiritually here. Sometimes we get in dry places. Sometimes it's like God is playing hide and go seek. It's because he wants us to keep seeking. He wants us to keep pursuing. He says hunger and thirst for righteousness. Look in 1 Chronicles chapter 10. Now you have to... Chronicles, they believe, is written by Ezra. This is after they come back from exile. After the Babylonian exile. And the reason that's important is because Ezra is writing down the chronicles. He's writing down the history. Here's how we got here. Now we're coming back. Let's don't forget. See, why do you think the enemy is trying to erase all of history? Trying to tear down all the historical monuments. And listen, yeah, there's a lot of monuments that are up, but they remind us of our history and what we came through to get to this point. We don't have to destroy it because it offends somebody. It should wake us up and say and remind us this is what happened. But when you can wipe out all the history, you have nothing to go back to that says these men fasted and prayed and then came up with a constitution. Come on, y'all hear me? Those men that signed the constitution fasted and prayed. You know why? Because they all wanted to kill each other and couldn't agree before they come up with one. How many was taught that in history? None. We weren't taught that. And it's hard to sometimes see God's sovereign hand and move if you don't know history. So we're, let's look at a little bit of history here. Chapter 10, verse 7. When all the men of Israel who were in the valley saw that they had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook their cities and fled and the Philistines came and lived in them. Now here's what you got to understand. David is living in the wilderness, in caves. Because Saul, the first king of Israel, has run the country into the ground. Bad policies, come on, disobedient to the word of God, his ego and his pride, come on, has been running the country in the ground. And now, the very land that God gave them, Saul and his sons are dead. They've been in a battle, in a fight, and the Philistines overtook them, and they're dead. 
And when all the people saw that the army of Israel was running scared, they left their homes, left their crops, left their house. They, they left. You know what's sad about that? God gave that to them as an inheritance. And they couldn't possess it anymore. And they couldn't bear fruit in it anymore. And the enemy come in and now he's possessing it. Oh, that's that old thing. No, I'm telling you. Come on, does this all sound familiar? Here's what I've learned this morning. Just this morning. Listen, I understand coming to this country for a better life. But by all means, at least make it better. Right across 146, they're cutting holes in pipelines, riding the pump jacks so that they can try to sue the oil companies for money. Liberty County. Come on, are y'all with me? We've got a problem here. And by cracky, it is our job to lead and guide the moral compass of this county. It's our job. We have the answer. We have the right to stand and say what's right and what's wrong and to back our law enforcement, come on, to get in our government so we're the ones making the policies. Are y'all with me? See, when things change, we have to change. We can't just sit back and go, oh my God, what are they doing? And then post a video, hey, everybody's better get saved. Jesus is coming back. Are y'all with me? We've, we've got to occupy this what we've got. We can't run from it anymore. Are y'all with me? See, when the times and the culture begin to change for the worse, at some point the status quo will have to change. And listen, and I, I know I can feel the air leaving the room. But here's the deal. It always has to get worse before it gets better. Because we have to wake up. We have to start putting our foot in the door. Going to these, listen, if you have a child in the public school, you better be at that board meeting. Here's what I'm telling you. As a member of DCC and your children, go to, you go to them school boards. 
See what they're teaching. See what's going on. Come on. Listen, we have Christian teachers that are in those school systems that need our help. They need our help. Politicians. Listen, God has congressmen, senators stirring their hearts. They need our help. They need us to be making phone calls. They need us to be sending emails. They need us to be voting. They need us to be sending them help. We can't just say, oh, well, I'm not voting because the, they're all evil. No. Let's vote for life. Let's vote. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? You can't have my vote if you can't even recognize life starts in the womb when the heart is beating. If you call it a fetus, you can't get my vote. Are you in here? One of the greatest commercials I've seen in a long time is this, I can't remember who put it out, but it's like, Oh, you want to see the pictures of my fetus? You want to feel the fetus kick? You want to feel... And I'm like, what am I watching? And then all of a sudden, at the very end of the commercial, the little girl goes, Mom, it's a baby, not a fetus. (laughs) And I'm like, touchdown. Touchdown. We're getting there. Come on. Listen. This is why it's so important that we understand that we are salt and light. But that we we walk in mercy. Yes, it stings a little, but it heals and it preserves. Because we have so many people that bought into the cultural lies that yes, truth is going to sting a little bit, but yet it will heal. Because I'm telling you, there's so many. It is our job to say, look, God can fix all of these bad decisions. If you're still breathing, if you're still walking down the street, if you still wake up in the morning, God is still merciful. God is still loving. God is still a healer. God is still a restorer. He's still a redeemer. And all the bad decisions that we make culturally, personally, No matter what we try, no matter what, he still, still forgiveness and has good plans for us. And we point the way. This is what God has. I know we've all been deceived and we all made bad decisions, but God, come on, are y'all with me? See, that's being salt and light, not running around screaming, you sorry sinners. No, that ain't God. Come on. And it ain't God that we just give up. Oh, we're in the end times. and I'm just, uh, let it all happen. Are y'all with me? Sure, this is responsibility. But we're responsible. The earth, we're responsible for what happens here. Pray this way. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we said that is the Lord's prayer, we lost the whole intent. God's intent was that's the disciples' prayer that we rule here. That we bring what's going on in heaven to earth. And it's our job to occupy or the enemy comes in and occupies. And we leave our inheritance to an enemy. Come on, let this all sink in. Let thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. I need your word to be able to walk through that. God, I need you. Forgive me of my trespasses. As I forgive others of their trespasses. Because Lord, I know I'm not going to do everything right. I know I'm going to make bad decisions because I am human. But God, I thank you that you'll forgive me so I can continue to carry out your intent and your mandate here on this earth. Come on, y'all see how that works? That's how that works. And then that's how we advance the kingdom, that's how we teach it to the ones behind us so that the song is on their lips that, hey, when you make bad decisions and mess up, here's what you need to know too. When we obey God, God blesses us. When we forget God cancels the spiritual blessings. Come on. When we forget and we're not thankful, grateful, repentant, come on, and we're just rocking on with life, then the spiritual privileges are withheld. Come on. Hmm. Chew on that for a little bit. Come on, God's good. This will get better. This will get better. <laughs> Exodus 23. This scripture literally changed the course of my life. And if you need a course correction and you've been feeling under the weight because I can remember first coming and really getting a hold. I mean, mama drugged me and daddy to church all our life. And I say me and daddy. but I never absorbed nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't quite absorb it all. And then them teen years hit, and I really didn't absorb nothing. Come on, y'all with me? Look, half the crew in here that we all messed up is sitting in here. 
And, and I'm telling you, you get to rock it on in all of that. And then you go in a church somewhere and everybody wants you to change. Everybody wants you to be a certain way. Everybody wants you to dress a certain way. Everybody wants you to speak a certain way. Well, I've been cussing a long time. That was a good one. Good at it. And the pressure of being what I couldn't be, come on, almost will drive you away. That's what religion does. Religion is man's best attempt to get to God. You can't get there. You'll never get there. And so here's what I read. And I'm telling you, I didn't know come here from Sikkim. But when I read this, it was like the Holy Spirit just revealed it to me. And it set me free. And I was able to walk a course on my timeline. Come on, are y'all with me? Not on somebody else's timeline that's been serving God for two, 20 years. Are y'all with me? Verse 27. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among whom you come and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. I will send hornets ahead of you that they may drive out the Hevites, the Canites, the Hittites, the Jerkites, the Dumites. I will not drive them out before you in a single year and this is what changed my life. He said, I ain't going to drive them all out in one year. So that the land may not become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. Come on, peanut. That's good stuff. Little by little, until you can fulfill the mandate of possessing this land and then bearing fruit. He said, yeah, I'm going to cause your enemies to turn their back to you. Now, you make sure that their back stays to you and not their front. You keep speaking. God gave me this as an inheritance. God's called me to this place. I will, come on. Lord, I thank you for these grapes. I thank you for this ranch. I thank you for these crops. I thank you for these houses. Can you imagine when those guys went into those Philistine giant houses and the beds was five foot longer than they were? There's no greater reminder that this wasn't built by you than a bed that is Twice your size. See, we can't forget rolling around in that bed that God gave that to us. Come on, man. Are y'all in here? 
We can't forget what God done sending his son to hang on the cross for us that we can possess this and not be possessed. Come on. God's intent is for us to bear fruit in a land and possess it and not be possessed by it. That was one thing God worked, and I'm talking squeezed and mashed out of me, that rodeo wasn't my God, but that I had it and it didn't have me. Squeezed, mashed. Come on. See, Saul could not keep the land. His emotions was always getting to him every time. His feelings, what he seen, what he heard, how he felt, it wrecked the entire country. And he lost possession of it. He lost the rightful inheritance. When we see the change... We need to change. We need to be the ones to address the situation. We need to be the one to shine the light. We need to be the salt. We need to be the ones that deliver truth that yes, it stings, but it heals and preserves. Our words have to be salted with grace. Come on. We've got to get more wise about this. A whole generation is at, is at bay right now. We've got to learn to be the salt and the light to be able to advance the kingdom of God. Just because, listen, 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Verse 1. Now these are the ones who came to David at Ziklag while he was still restricted because of Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men who helped him in war. Now, here's what you got to understand. David was restricted from Israel, but yet David never quit fighting for Israel. He always, he always was out there and his eye was on what God wanted for Israel. And now Saul and his sons are dead and they're coming to him to make him king. See, God's always got somebody waiting. Come on, man. God's got a little church out in the middle of the woods that ain't even got a sign that is just waiting. Come on. That's going to just sit there and just keep pounding on the gates of hell till they, come on. Just because Saul restricted David with a policy and a bad order never meant he quit fighting. Come on, they can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want, but they can't keep us 
from advancing the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter. I told you it'd get better. Listen, just like when Elijah, remember when Elijah ran from Jezebel in his first whining session was, I'm the only one left. <laughs> and it always cracks me up. God didn't go, Elijah, you're not. No, he said, 40 more days, come out here in the wilderness. <laughs> he had to stew on it for 40 more days till he found out there was at least 7,000 that still hadn't bowed the knee. Come on, man. I'm telling you, I've been all over this United States and there is pockets of believers everywhere who've, who are, who've got this same mindset that, hey, change is here and we're changing and we're storming the gates of hell. We're taking back our communities. We're taking back our government. We're doing what we got. Come on. Even in California, they stood up in California. Come on. They're baptizing by the hundreds and thousands in California. Come on. They can't stop us. They can't shut us down. Why? Because our God is bigger than anything they can come up with. They shoot a nuclear bomb to our eyeballs and it ain't going to stop what God's doing. Somebody should have waved a hanky. Listen, there's a point of pushback when common sense says, you know what? This isn't working. <laughs> the way we're going, the policies that are being made, the people running this place ain't working. Time for a change. You're fired. <laughs> Come on. Listen. Think about it. God's got people. They're out there. We just have to help them out. Listen, I believe we all have a responsibility to act and to occupy for the sake of righteousness. Duty is ours. Results are God's. Duty is ours. Results are God's. See, we have to be the salt, the light. And doing and understanding what the times require of us is where we're at right now. We have to understand, we have to see what the times require. And that's why God, He started this campaign years ago this ain't church as usual because he knew that it would take us a little while to catch up with it but I'm telling you 20 years now that I know of 
We've been saying this ain't church as usual. This ain't church as usual. This ain't church as usual. Even when I really didn't even understand what we're, what, what ain't going to be, what's it going to look like? I just know this ain't church as usual. And I know things got to change if it ain't going to be church as usual. But I'm telling you, after 20 years, I could tell you a lot of folk come up in here want church as usual. But it ain't. And we've stuck it out. First Chronicles 12. I'll show you something. Verse 32. We read this all the time. And I'm talking about myself. And the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. Now, I read that all the time, and I put these guys, the Issachar group tribe, up there as, man, they got it going on. They knew exactly what was happening. They knew exactly what to do, and we're going to put these guys in charge because apparently they got it going on. And being the... When the Holy Spirit makes something curious to you, like, man, what's going on here? Well, I mean, what, how, how did these guys have what was going on? How did they know what was happening? How did they come about all this great reputation? Let's go to Genesis chapter 49. Turn in the word of God to Genesis 49. And let's just look at Issachar. Issachar was a son of Jacob. When Jacob was dying, he had his sons there, and he began to speak a blessing or began to speak a word over them. Here's what he said about Issachar. Issachar, verse 14, is a strong donkey laying down between the sheepfolds. When he saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, he bowed his, he bowed his shoulder to bear burdens and become a slave at forced labor. And you're thinking exactly what I was thinking. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> See, this is the problem that we face. Is we read the Bible, we don't study it. And he's saying, boy, you're strong as a donkey, but you'll lay down right next to work and not be bothered at all. In other words, <laughs> he's, he's saying, 
you're strong and you'll work. But when you get comfortable in security, see, sheepfolds at night, they would bring the sheep in. Like if there was robbers, there were lions that were threatening wolves or whatever, they would bring the sheep in to the sheepfold where there was walls, where there was security, where there was comfort, where they could get some rest. Come on, are y'all with me in here? And he said, boy, you, you're just going to get so comfortable. You're going to see the land and that it is good. And you know what you're going to do? You're just going to bow up and just do the work and you're just going to become their slave. Because you're so willing to get comfortable with security. So here's my deal. These guys that knew exactly what to do had to step up and change. They had to step up to the plate. Come on. They had to be willing to rise up and change when things changed. Are y'all with me? Come on, we got little ones. I can imagine the sons of Issachar going, wait a minute, if we don't change, if we love our security and our comfort more than we love our, the next generation, they're not going to have security Listen, I know this is heavy. But if we don't realize that God has a good plan for us and He wants good things for us, but it's not just going to come in on a silver platter. It's not... It, this is what we faced in the beginning. Is that people's perspective of God was Santa Claus and a bag of fairy dust. That he just sprinkle this fairy dust on us, wave a little wand, and poof. <laughs> Man, I wish that was the way. I wish all horses came broke, stood ground, tied, pulled from the saddle horn. But they don't. They do not. Just imagine this magnificent, powerful animal that can do so much. 
There is a stocking-legged horse down here that stands in a pasture with a flat-eared mule. And I mean is pretty. But I guarantee you he ain't had many wet saddle blankets on him. And I drive by that pasture all the time thinking, what a waste. What a waste. Something that magnificent. And nobody's put a demand on him. Nobody's put a demand on them. Come on, you can pull from this saddle horn. You don't know how much you can pull. I picked up on a horse one time. He was big, stout, beautiful. And you couldn't just rope something and just yank them off and just turn them and go. You had to rope him, let him feel it, and then turn him, and then he'd pull house down. But if they jerked on him, he was like, whoa, he would just stand there. And later on in time, he got to where he could take a little of that, you know. But you had to ease it into him. Come on, God's putting a demand on his people. That's what 2020 was about. It was to peel back the layers. It was to bring change that we literally seen it that had already been changing for years. And we've awakened to it. So yes, there is a demand being put on us. And so we got to rise up to the occasion. Listen, and you may be sitting here going, well, I just don't. Listen, God doesn't use, God uses the willing, not the perfect. God uses people who are willing, not perfect. See, that's where we get jacked up in our history because George Washington wasn't perfect, but God used him. All our founding fathers, they weren't perfect. There wasn't one perfect except Jesus. Moses wasn't perfect, right? He murdered a guy and ran like a scalded dog. David committed adultery, had a guy murdered to cover it up. Right? God doesn't use perfect people. He uses willing people. But look what he says in 1 Peter 5.10. Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We don't start out perfect. We don't start out established. We don't start out complete. We just have to start. Come on. We can't use the excuse, well, I don't know enough. I don't know it. I'm too young. You ain't too young. Can you imagine grabbing your slingshot at your age and going and killing a giant when a whole army was backing up 
that's you. I believe David, God used David because he was too young to know better. Me and Wendy were just too dumb not to believe God. We weren't church halter broke yet. Come on. James chapter 1. Let endurance. It's what you got to have right there. Let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the one thing that you got to settle in your mind is endurance. If you're going to make a change, you're going to have to have endurance. You're going to have to be steadfast. If you're going to see the situation that you're in change, you're going to have to have endurance. Stick it out. It's going to have to be a sacrifice. It's going to be a sacrifice. You sacrificed this morning to be here because it's a beautiful day outside and you could be at the lake on the river doing something else. Philippians 1.6 He who began a good work come on. He who began a good work he will complete it. That's why you're here. That's why you keep coming. He started it in you. He started and the enemy tried to come in. He does it to every one of us. Nobody's exempt from having to fight a battle with the devil. Nobody. Nobody's exempt. But when we endure, when we are willing, and we'll stick it out in the process, He'll perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish. Come on, are y'all with me? See, we do that, and the whole while that we are doing that, God's working out here. People are watching. Your kids are watching. Your neighbors are watching. Your people you work with, they're watching. They're seeing this change. They're watching. And you don't have to go, hey, you need to get saved. You need to repent. We're in the last days. And this is going to, no, they're going to see that in you and they're going to go, I want what you got. Because you're real. And you're just living your life out real. Through the battles, through the struggles, through the ups, the downs. You're enduring through it. And it's giving them hope that you're going to make it. You making it gives them hope that they can make it. Come on, y'all stand with me. Lord, I thank you today that as we embrace change, oh man, we hate change. 
as we embrace the change of the times that we live, Father, help us to change. Help us to walk in your anointing. Help us to walk, Father God, as you have called in your ways. Help us to get a biblical worldview, Father. Help us to read this word and to study it as the absolute truth of who you are and what your intent is for us here on this earth while we are here. Father, I can't thank you enough for all that you're doing, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.